0: To Lasting truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today, we're studying in the book of Second Kings, chapter 20. Here's Pastor Ryan. So in 2
1: Kings chapter 20, uh, we're wrapping up the life of King Hezekiah of the southern kingdom of Judah. For those of you who don't know, First and Second Kings in the Bible is the historic account of the two kingdoms of Israel that were split after the reign of Solomon. And God split Israel into two kingdoms because they had turned to apostasy. They had turned to away from God and began to worship the pagan gods of the nations around them. And remember, God gave Israel the land to bless them, but warned them from way back with Moses and Joshua that if they were to turn from the Lord, then the blessings that they could have experienced would be taken from them. And so part of the first judgment was him splitting the nation into two. And um, we get to study these wonderful books and and learn from uh, the the rights and the wrongs of these kings. And in the northern kingdom, they've already been taken into captivity by the Assyrian empire, which was the most powerful empire uh, on the planet at that time. And the Assyrians are have been going all over the Middle East, just taking kingdom after kingdom. And as we've been reading, they have come up against King Hezekiah in the southern kingdom of Israel, which is Judah. And he... Um, was known as one of the most righteous kings that had ever lived. And he was compared to King David. So he was a king that honored God, that turned the people's hearts back to the Lord and and reformed and restored the worship of the Lord in the southern kingdom. And we see, though, that in his prosperity, because what happens when we honor God is God honors uh, his children for doing that. He blesses obedience, He blesses us when we seek him. And so Hezekiah was tremendously blessed by God. Uh, the kingdom thrived under him. but as he got older, he got laxed in his worship of the Lord. And, and in getting laxed, the Lord had to wake him up. And in our story last week, he has woken up King Hezekiah. Of his complacency by allowing the Assyrians to come all the way into Judea, all the way up to the doors to the walls of Jerusalem, threatening the Israelites or the Judahites there and Hezekiah. As you know, last week we read how Hezekiah humbled himself because of this threat and he went into the house of the Lord and he prayed. And twice he prayed to the Lord in the house of the Lord. And the Lord answered him both times with the promise of deliverance. In both of those times, God sent the answer through his prophet Isaiah who delivered the good news to Hezekiah. The Lord's gonna take care of this. The Lord's gonna send a rumor and the king of Assyria is going to leave him and his armies. God has promised he's gonna take care of you because God has heard you pray and has seen that you humbled yourself by going into the house of the Lord. And so we read here in verse one, now what happens now? God has delivered Judah, but what happens now? In those days, it says here in verse 1 of chapter 20, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. What in the world? What kind of message is that to Hezekiah? He gets sick to the point of death. And here comes the prophet Isaiah, the one who has been bearing good news, right? He told him twice, God's going to deliver you. God's going to deliver you. Don't worry about it. But here now, Isaiah the prophet is bringing a word that is seemingly harsh from the Lord. However, it is not a harsh word because the Bible gives us more information about what's going on with Hezekiah. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32, we are told that God saved Hezekiah and Jerusalem from the Assyrians. And as we read it in, in 2 Kings as well, we're told this is what God did. He'd save them from the enemy. And somewhere uh, along the way, somewhere during that time frame, Hezekiah became sick, even to the point of death. When it says here, in those days, it's speaking of in the days when the Assyrian armies came up against Jerusalem, Somewhere along that time frame, when he was crying out for God to deliver Judah from the Assyrians, he also became sick. 2 Chronicles 32 tells us more of the story. It tells us that when God did deliver them, that many people brought gifts to the Lord in Jerusalem, and they even brought presents to King Hezekiah after God had delivered them. And it says that Hezekiah was exalted in the sight of the nations thereafter. So after the victory, the people brought gifts to the Lord in Jerusalem. No doubt. Celebratory, hallelujahs, God delivered them. So people brought gifts to the Lord. But they also brought gifts to Hezekiah. And the Bible says that all the nations thereafter exalted him. They looked up to Hezekiah And this was the moment, guys, where Hezekiah would be tested. When the nations are exalting him for something that God did. God gave them the victory and it was his moment of test. Would he give God the glory for the victory that they had received? God saved them from the Assyrians. The world's looking at Hezekiah like he's some great king and Judah's this great kingdom. And that's where the test was. As is the same case for all of us. Was it a harsh word? Hey, get your house in order, you're going to die. The sickness is going to lead to death. It sounds like it. But God had done so much for Hezekiah. And in 2 Chronicles 32, it goes on to say in verses 25 through 26, you can write those down and check them out later. This is what it says. It tells us that Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore, wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. So 2 Chronicles 32 tells us that Hezekiah did not repay God according to the favor that God had showed him. He did not give back to the Lord The glory due his name, but rather was lifted up in his own heart. When the nations exalted him, when the people were bringing gifts to him, rather than acknowledging God, he he received the glory for himself, which is a dangerous thing. This world is full of vanity. This world seeks to exalt itself. This world, the Bible calls it, it is, is filled with the pride of life. Where men and women, because it's a fallen world, they seek to glorify themselves, to puff themselves up, to, to, to be seen as great. Not just in their own eyes, but in the eyes of those around them. That's the state of the fallen world. They're following the trap of Satan, Lucifer, Lucifer thought he was somebody special, thought he was all that. It was his pride that casted him down from heaven, that God casted him down. And so that disease of pride and wanting to receive glory for oneself, that's the state of the world. It has been from Genesis. And as we get closer and closer uh, to the coming back of the Lord, we need to guard our hearts concerning this seeking glory for ourselves, being puffed up in our own minds and hearts, thinking that we are someone, when in reality the only one that is someone is the Lord. We're nothing. The world is full of vanity. It's everywhere. And we need to guard our hearts from it every single day. In fact, in the in First and Second Kings, that seems to be a big theme. This pride, this puffing up of oneself, this not giving God the glory, not giving God the credit for the blessings in one's life. We see that in the Book of Kings time and again. Because I believe God wants to bless your life and mine. He wants to bless our lives, but there there is a lesson in in the blessings. Make sure that when you are blessed, make sure that when God takes care of you, that you give God the glory and the credit for the blessings that you have don't ever for once try to take glory try to take credit and that's really the the situation here with Hezekiah in this world men bless themselves the psalmist writes you know when you know that men will bless themselves and others will bless men when they do well for themselves it's true we need to be careful we need to learn what it means to be like Christ who made himself of no reputation In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, write it down, please, verse 17 through 18. Paul the Apostle would write to the Corinthians, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. You see, as Christians, we should seek commendation from the Lord. We should seek to please the Lord. We should seek that God would bless us and that we wouldn't commend ourselves or try to lift ourselves up to various positions. Lord, if it's your will, Lord, promote me. If it's not, Lord, or the right or your timing, then don't promote me. Don't bless, you know, give me the blessings in your right time, lest I get puffed up in my head and forget who you are hezekiah was one of the greatest kings he he had the temple in, there in jerusalem right next door to his house and he forgot that the blessings had come from the lord in first corinthians chapter four verse seven it says for who makes you differ from another and what do you have that you did not receive now if you did indeed receive it why do you boast as if you had not received it Hezekiah received deliverance from the Lord. He, he could do nothing of himself. The armies were surrounding Jerusalem, more powerful, more in number. He was in trouble. He literally went to the house of the Lord and just cried out to God, we are undone. We are about to get beaten. We are going to be taken over. We're going to be taken captive. He can do nothing of himself. But yeah, God gave him deliverance. So he received deliverance. But he acted as, he deli- as if he delivered himself. There was no giving back to the Lord the glory and the thanksgiving for what God had done. He was tested at that moment and he failed to give God the glory. After he had cried out, he forgot that quickly. This is why we need to seek the Lord. Lord, give us a humble heart. The world is vain. It's all vanities, uh, Solomon would write, the preacher Uh, king david's son it's all vanity James would tell us in chapter four of his book, verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Jesus said that it's the meek who shall inherit the earth. The humble and the meek God uses, God blesses. Why did God use Hezekiah? Why did he bless his life? Because Hezekiah in his younger days, he sought the Lord. He he sought him in prayer. He sought him in worship. He, He sought the Lord in all things and God prospered him. But here he is in his older age. And yes, it's a harsh word from Isaiah. Isaiah's word from the Lord sounds harsh, but it's not harsh in comparison to what God had blessed them with. If God had given you so much, shouldn't you respond with that much thanks? Shouldn't you respond in like measurement to what God has blessed you with, Hezekiah? Can't you give them the glory? Can't you just tell them that it was God, that it was not you? Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. Has God given us much? Are we in Hezekiah's place right now? Maybe we don't have castles and buildings and gold and silver and shields and armies at our disposal. But are we not in in a greater state really than he was in blessing if we've given our lives to Jesus Christ and Jesus has washed us of our sins? Christ has taken our sins from us for those of us who have faith in him. He died for our sins on the cross. And on the third day, he rose from the dead to justify us as if we've never sinned. Isn't that worth more than gold and silver and kingdoms and the temple itself and all? Yes! His blood is so precious and he's done so much. Are we responding accordingly to the measure of grace and blessings that he's given us? It, haven't we been given much? Isn't he requiring much? How many people are? They, oh, we are so grateful for our salvation, but are we serving the Lord? When he says, you know, enter into his courts with thanksgiving, are we thanking him? When it says to serve the Lord in fear and trembling, are we serving him? We are to give back. The same measure as much as possible as the Lord has given to us. So our good works as Christians isn't for our salvation. Our good works are because we're grateful that we've been saved. So what good can I do? And God has a lot of good for you and I to do. And not all are doing it though. And that's what I'm trying to get at. They're not harsh words. It isn't harsh for Jesus to say, give a cup of water to someone in my name. You surely will not lose your reward. There's so much that the Lord says, right? Praise him. Sing to him. Glorify his name. Serve him. Be available to him. Don't let us not live for ourselves, but for him. Because why? Because he has blessed us so much. And Hezekiah has forgotten that it wasn't him who delivered him, but the Lord delivered him. And I think maybe those who who feel they can go on in their Christianity without ever lifting a finger for Jesus Christ, I mean, haven't they forgotten about their salvation? Isn't the inspiration, the deliverance from hell itself? And I ain't going to hell anymore. I'll do whatever, whatever you want. Lord, anything for you, Lord, you've done it. Are you praising him? Are you serving him? Are you giving to him back? He said the same measure you give will be given back to you. I and mean, the Lord has given us so much. I give to the Lord of my tithes because without him, I wouldn't have a job. Part of that is worship to Him. Part of that is obedience to Him. We look at Hezekiah, dude, just give God the glory. But a lot of us don't don't give. A lot of us don't don't give back from what He has given to us. Has God saved you? Has He saved me? Then whatever He asks, Lord, I pray that you receive from us. Whatever you ask. And we don't want to make God feel like like a beggar. Because He's not. My service to Him, I've been serving Him for 20 years. I have done nothing for him, I have done nothing, I owe him, he doesn't owe me anything, I need to serve him for eternity, he has saved me, everything, everything, anything he wants, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up, and he said to him, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live, now again, why, why is Jerusalem and Hezekiah, why is destruction looming? Because he was taking the glory that belonged to God. He wasn't giving thanks. The prophet Isaiah comes with a, with a, with a word that wasn't as nice as, Hey, God's going to deliver you. Remember that in the previous chapter? Now it's like God's going to take care, you know, you're going to die. If Hezekiah would receive the good word from the prophet Isaiah from the Lord, is it a hard thing that he receive a hard word from him? It's not. Isaiah is a prophet of the Lord and he came with good news before and now he's coming with bad news. The interesting thing about being a Christian and an interesting thing about this book is that it has so much good things, right? It's a, the Word of God is, is a wonderful thing. It's good news, but in it there's also bad news, right? God judges sin and God calls us to repent and to change. The Word of God is a sword, right it's living and powerful like a two-edged sword it cuts both ways right it, one side of the sword is full of love and grace and mercy and the other side of the sword is judgment punishment both ways the prophet isaiah came with good news and then he comes with bad news it's good for hezekiah to receive it both lord help us to be christians that have the boldness to share both the good and the bad the gospel is the good news because there's bad news if we deny Jesus Christ as Savior, we will not see heaven. That's the bad news. Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. It's a rarity when someone knows that they're not going to make it to the next day. We see that in hospitals. We do hospice and that kind of thing, but it's a rarity where one gets the word that, hey, you're going to die today. And can you imagine if the whole world got that news that they were going to die that day. I wonder how the world would react. I wonder what people would do if they knew that they were going to be before God that day. How many would repent? How many would get their lives in order spiritually? But I think this is a a reminder for us to set our homes in order. To make sure that as believers, there's no sin in the camp. There's no sin being allowed in our homes. I speak to parents, I speak to grandparents to allow our children or our grandchildren to watch things on the television that are unholy and ungodly or to know that our children or grandchildren are dabbling in sin and not checking it. For after all, when we were their age, we did the same thing, some parents foolishly say. But to know exactly what the state of our flock is, what the state of our homes are. Are our homes set in order spiritually? And trust you me in the whole church as a whole, there are so many parents that ignore what their kids are doing in their home. Would rather not ask because they don't want to find out that they're doing something bad. It is our jobs to know the spiritual state of those who live in our home. Because if our kids are in sin... And we're not looking in on it and we're not checking it out to see if it's happening or not. And then their sin becomes our sin and then our prayers are hindered. And there are many families that God is not blessing. He's not answering prayers of the parents because Johnny has a girlfriend and the parents let them hold hands, make out, play house, all of that stuff. The house is not in order. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You choose what God you're going to serve. But for this house, we're going to serve the Lord. And to make sure that our house is clean because it's on the authority of the parents. And if we go even further, it's on the authority of the husband, the father of that home. Amen? Set your house in order, spiritually. But in a practical sense, should we not have our house in order physically? What does it say about a Christian home that's messy all the time? That isn't picked up. It can say laziness. The proverb says, I went by the house of a lazy man and I saw his vineyard and it was all overgrown and the wall was all cracked and breaking down. Our home should be clean physically. We should think about the well-being of our children, our grandchildren. A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Hey, Hezekiah, you have life insurance? You have eternal life insurance? How about physical life insurance? To spouses who have young children, set them up. If something happens to you, God pulls your ticket. You can't leave the puppies without anything. Get some life insurance. This is practical stuff, Christianity. Not so common where I'm from, I guess. But I won't tell you where I'm from, so the whole city isn't judged. Set your house in order. Grown kids outside of the house, that's their business. You know, the parable of the rich fool. Uh, Jesus preached in Luke chapter 12. This rich man, you know, he, his crops grew and did well, and he thought to himself, I'm going to knock down my small barns and build bigger barn so I can stuff it with all of the crops and all of my goods and and I'm going to be living just a set life and in Luke 12 12, verse 20 God said to him fool this night your soul will be required of you then whose will those things be which you have provided so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God Thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And so at this news, if you can picture the scene, here's the king. He turns and he faces the wall. Perhaps it was his only way of receiving some privacy with God, some alone time. Just going to turn on my sickbed. Just going to turn and face the wall because I need that alone time with God. As if this is who Hezekiah used to be. Hezekiah used to be a man who got alone with God and prayed and sought him and worshiped him. And it was because Hezekiah spent that alone time with the Lord that God blessed his life. And here he is on his deathbed and he just turns to the wall like I just need alone. I need to be alone. with Nothing in this world can help me on my deathbed. Nothing. Not family. Not friends. Just God. I just need to be alone with God. And he says to him, remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And he wept bitterly. And he told God, remember how I walked with you, with a loyal heart. Hezekiah in his life, he didn't walk circumspectfully. He didn't walk like without the understanding that God was watching his life. Everywhere he went and everything that he did and every decision that he he knew that God was omnipotent and he's saying to God, I walked with you with a loyal heart. Every step I made in my life, I, I knew you were there. I made decisions based on the reality that you, Lord, are with me. I cannot hide from
0: you. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chairman. Above your throat single